Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios. We are part of the Believe in Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz 2, 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and view our podcast. All live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I am Porter Hayes, and alongside me is Adam Hall. Also brought to you by Bet Online. Get the latest odds, lines, matchup for baseball, football, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head over to the website and use your mobile device today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And we head on over to the Metters Hotline to bring in former Arkansas Razorback head coach, Houston Nutt, again, Start off, appreciate you uh, making time for us to uh, talk about Resurgence, the, the new uh, show on uh, Hogs Plus, and I've watched it a couple of times and re-watched it again to, before we started, and I'll tell you what, they did a really good job on that, so thank you for joining us. Um, you bet. Thank you for having me. Really want to start off with just when, when they come to you about doing this special in in showing the opening clip of you walking through that that tunnel onto the field i mean what what memories did that bring back what was your first initial reaction to doing the documentary doing the show and and of course being a razorback guy being an arkansas guy i mean what was it like reliving all those memories yeah you know it it was unbelievable uh first of all i got to give so much credit to haley uh, old way that done such a just a fabulous job on this, Ashlyn Greer, and I want to thank too my daughter uh, had a great idea of having the trying to get the '98 team together to watch it for the first time together, and uh, she she did a lot in two weeks. And so to answer your question, when I came up there and we started doing this this interview, you know it's one thing when you when you lived it. You went through it and you lived 98. That was the very first season for me. A dream job, you know, a little, little, little rock boy that grew up watching the Razorbacks all his life and never thought that you could be the head coach there. You know, always maybe hoped maybe one day. But, you know, in reality, didn't think it would happen. But then it does happen. It does come true. And then when 25 years after, and you bring it to life, and you're sitting there watching it, it it's just amazing how surreal it was to, to look at everything, and they were so well done, uh, talking to Joe Dean Davenport and Clint Sterner, Anthony Lucas, and Garrett Russell Brown, just a few of those players, uh, to get their insights. And, boy, you start going week by week. It's like, oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, I started getting uh, kind of butterflies in my stomach every time a week two or week three would come up. You think, oh, here we go. And you start living it again. And uh, it was just amazing. It's just a great, great feeling. And the biggest thing is just the players, that bond that we have 
has never left. And that's one thing I really wanted to touch on, you know, how everything started and, of course, how everything ended. You move on, coaching, do CBS Sports. I mean, for it to be 25 years later and you do this and feel just as welcomed back as you did when you first got the job, how did that make you feel like, again, all these years later, there was no love lost and it was like you were just as welcomed back then as you are now? You know, that was a – just a kind of a humbling thing because we didn't know, you know, we didn't leave. Uh, it wasn't great when we left and, you know, it was hard, some hard times there, even though we had great, great years, there were some, some difficult, a difficult one or two years in there is really difficult, especially for family. But uh, you keep going back to the players, you know, I keep going back to them because they're the, they're the reason I was in the Arkansas Hall of Honor. There's no question about that. And go back and relive those celebrations locker rooms and and the sacrifice investment that we all in is just it's just the greatest feeling and very appreciative the Arkansas fans that just welcome up welcome my family and I with open arms and uh but you know it made us feel feel great we were really really proud of that weekend that we had I appreciate Hunter Hurecheck uh making that call to me to uh tell me that that I'd been voted in the Arkansas Hall of Honor and to be able to have that opportunity to watch a game, my first tailgate ever in my life was right there in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, ate some good food and was around a lot of good Razorback fans, man. And so, I mean, what more can you ask for? You know, watching the the documentary and then seeing a lot of the uh, the clips afterwards of um, the team gathering together and watching the documentary, you know, it kind of comes almost full circle because going back to when you um, – I remember what stood out a lot was the the dedication clip when y'all dedicated the season and the emotion behind it. And then coming and watching the clips and you, you look, you really looked like a, a father watching his kids have grown up um, when you were watching your players reactions to this film. So, I mean, how was it, you know, getting to see them all these years later and see their input? Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And now those those young men, you know, they had families. Most of them had wives with them or, and children. It, it's the greatest feeling there is. The greatest reward there is is when a player says, hey, coach, I'm the husband I am today because of the four years that I had with you or the one year I had with you. Uh, that's the greatest reward there is. And so it's it's a great, great feeling to, to go back and, and just, boy, you, you watch this and you watch players' reaction and, and it, it, it was, it's just amazing. It's kind of hard to put in words, you know, mm-hmm. how everybody was feeling because it's just, it felt so good. And then, then you keep thinking, doggone, I wish we had two plays back. <laughs> I wish we had two plays yeah. back. We felt like we could have been the best. We could have won that national title. You know, you always have those, those kind of thoughts mm-hmm. too, you know, like you're so close, you're right there and nobody gave us a chance. And that's the thing. I knew that uh, Danny Ford had recruited very well. But I noticed when I first got there, there was a lot of individuals. And what I mean by that is they were good people, good players. And I kept asking Lewis Campbell, and I kept asking Dean Weber, what am I missing? I know I've only been a head coach at Murray State and Boise State. But when I look at these guys on the hoof, when I look at Grant Garrett, Chris Jacuma, Joe Dean Davenport, Clint Sterner, Anthony Lucas, Zach Painter, Ryan Hale, C.J. McClain, when I keep, and I can name them all, but when I look, I'm thinking, what am I missing? Is the SEC so tough that we can't stay on the field with these guys? And and I remember Dean Weber and Lewis Campbell both saying, look, 
they are they're they're some good athletes, but it, they just haven't had any success in, in SEC West. Now is is it's tough. It's the toughest in the country, and it's not easy to win one game. And so nobody really gave us a chance. But then all of a sudden, I could tell we started getting closer. And that dedication night, and I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> I have a lot of people ask me that, Coach. How come you ever told us? How come you never told us about dedication night? And dedication night was really kind of a, a it's a kind of for the players and us that it, it was really always one week before the kickoff. It's that Sunday night before, but the first one in '98, I never we didn't have a team meeting room. So I asked Dean uh, Weber or Lewis Campbell one to find us a, a a room that's like a theater, and we got the Tyson Building. We we got that building, and we went there on that Sunday night. And up we as we walk after dinner, we're walking up, and they kept asking, well, "What's going on, Co? What, what what kind of meeting do we have?" I said, "You'll see, you'll see." And so when they got there and they sat in the theater room, well, they was kind of there. Everybody was focused because they couldn't figure out what was going to happen. And we had a had it covered up. We had that helmet, brand new helmet, covered up. Tim Cheney did such a good job because during two days, you know, we took the sticker off because the helmet getting beat up and all that. But all of a sudden, we unveil and we let them know this is dedication now. We're going to dedicate this season to one another, and I'm going to start it. You could hear a pin drop. And what I didn't realize is how emotional, how emotional that night would be. And coming back, I never will forget Marvin Caston and Anthony Lucas telling me, Coach, you don't know what you did right here. I said, what do you mean? You have no idea now, Coach. We are a band of brothers. We are closer than we've ever been. And you start hearing this word that sometimes people, you know, 18, 19 years don't want to say, but all of a sudden they're up there with their hand on the helmet saying, I love y'all, man. I don't have a family. My family is your family. And you start, it gives me chill bumps and goosebumps when I think about it, because now I truly realize how, how that night really set the tone for the 98 season. And in watching you, you talk to Bo about that in, in the, the show, I could see your emotion, even like I said, all these years later, you know, there's moments in your life that you, like you said, Adam said, you felt like a father figure. I have moments in my life with my son that I can't even hardly talk about the same way without getting choked up. And it's going to be that way 25 years later, you know, just seeing that emotion and seeing how much it still meant to you. And then you go into that Alabama game and it's almost like that was the true test of that the season and how you dominated that yeah. game. Not only did you prove that you could win, but you proved that you could dominate against Alabama, and that just skyrocketed you all the way in throughout that season. That did it. That really did it. Because I was truly nervous about that game. Having, uh, as a player from high school, Little Rock Central, visited Bear Bryant on campus at uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and, and knew the tradition and and so many championships they've won, so many great athletes. Sean Alexander was a tailback who's just, as y'all know, was a phenomenal physical specimen that could run over you and outrun you and make you miss and all of the above. But when we won that one, and I mean, I really felt like we dominated, we outhit them, we outplayed them, 42 to 6, that's when Clint – Sterner really went back, and I, I love what he said. Now, all of a sudden, that first meeting when I put SEC champions on the board, 
win, win all our home games. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to be national champions. Then it was a, you know, at first, that first time when they saw that on the board, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, they hadn't won too many games. So it's kind of like, I don't know about this guy. You know, he's out there. But they found out that we we're pretty consistent. And when we won that game, though, that game gave us that confidence of belief. And boy, we started believing and playing for one another and really went to another level after that game. Going back to that season, you know, how was your, you know, after that one win, was it hard to keep the team focused for the next week or were they looking ahead too much or was it just game by game? I wish I had the schedule in front of me, but the one thing I noticed with this group is, and I was really concerned after the Alabama game because uh, instead of the previous year walking the class, they said they got made fun of and people had jokes. Uh, everybody was patting them on the back and everybody was jumping on that wagon. So I was worried about it until we hit the practice field and I said, man, these guys got a maturity about them that I really love. They, they go about their work, they go about their business. And, you know, Russell Brown always says that, you know, I've, I've you know, he compares Danny Ford was work, 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 and Coach Nutt was more, you know, made it fun and cheerleader and all that. But what he left out was we probably ran more. We probably ran these guys more than the previous staff. We, we ran them, you know, in, in offseason, fourth quarter, and they were in shape. They were in great shape. And I always wanted a, a team that was in great, great shape, especially after, uh, especially when you hold up four fingers in the fourth quarter. Uh, I wanted that team to know that we're in great shape. And these guys were in great shape, but they went back to work after that win. And I felt so good about him. I said, these guys are kind of, they're on a mission right now. And, and they believe. And, you know, when I always had a saying, when you believe, that's when you achieve. And I just felt that. You know, on the kickoff team, defense, offense, there was, there was a togetherness. And Anthony kept telling me, he goes, we've never been this tight. We've never been this close. Because I noticed when I first got there in the spring, unlike when I played, we all lived under one roof. <laughs> you know, we lived in Wilson Sharp when I was a Razorback, playing for Coach Rolls. You know, the rules have it where they all can't live in the same dorm. So to just to do bed check, I mean, it takes a couple of hours because they're the freshmen are in the dorm. Then you got to go to this apartment, this condo. And so that spring, I made a lot of our coaches, hey, we're going to go to their apartments, go to their condo, go find out where they're living. And whether you got to play a video game with them or something, you're got to get this relationship going because it's one thing when you're in the field and you're in a classroom and you're teaching. There's something about when you go to his apartment or you get him in the car and let's go to Dairy Queen or let's go to Burger King or something or you come to my house, there's something about that that they say, hey, this is real now. And and I like they see our staff, they see, oh, that's how he talks to his wife. Oh, that's how he talks to his son. Oh, that's how Coach and I talks to his daughter. I mean, I, I like that as they see really what family was about. And as you, as you see in that documentary, they always bring up family. And moving to the, the, the infamous Tennessee game and with so much, you know, excitement, so much positivity going on, you know, reliving that moment in, in time where, where the fumble occurred, you know, 
Talk about, you know, the emotions of the team yourself during that moment and, and what was, you know, inside that locker room after that moment happened, like behind the scenes, you know, just kind of talk about what was going through their minds. And, of course, going into that next week of that heartbreak against Mississippi State, you know, what did it take to, you know, really rally the troops and, and get their spirits back up to, to finish yeah. out the season strong? What's amazing about when you're sitting there and they start, okay, Tennessee game, and they show that Coliseum full of orange. It was a rainy night. I'll never forget. Rainy night, national TV. And, I mean, we came out and we are playing. I mean, we're playing at a high level. We jump all over. And that whole sideline, even though there wasn't but 78 of us compared to 105,000 that they have, we had confidence. We had a real confidence level that was high. And we were playing hard. And we really outplayed Tennessee for 58 minutes. When I go back and speak to the Tennessee club, I always tell them, y'all owe me a ring because I <laughs> helped yep. you. I helped you. I gift wrapped you a national title. And I, they always laugh about it, but it's true. I feel that way. But that night, the thing I want to cover, and this is what I love about Clint Sterner so much. Clint Sterner carried a burden on him like, like no other that is the one of the toughest guys that I've ever known physically, but also to, to, to handle this, because if you go back and look real close, it wasn't all about Clint Stern on that one play. Everybody likes to say it is, but if you go back and look, and this is what I loved about our team after the game, when the reporters came in, it's a very tight dressing room. And I remember doing the, after the game interview. Um, and I just remember hearing the questions that were thrown out and nobody was doing this. I confess it's your fault. Nobody was doing that. The deep snapper never snapped one over his, a, a punter's head. And since he said in the sixth, seventh grade, uh, Anthony Lucas it may, even dropped a ball. He says, Hey, I dropped one. I should have caught Joe Dean says I should have, I, sh I had one probably would have scored. Should have caught that. If you go through, there's about six or seven things that happened that would have been different, that would have been different, that the outcome would have been so different. Not just Clint Sterner's deal. Uh, but I love the way our, our players handled that. Now, we were down now. Oh, we were down. That was a long, quiet road back, uh, a trip back home. But I thought we kind of recovered, got, got going good, and got ready for Mississippi State. And I mean, played our guts out. And, you know, we didn't have our our field goal kicker that week. I don't know if you remember yeah. that, but we didn't have our field goal kicker that week. And that was a brutal, brutal time because we needed it. We got inside the 30 about six times and really didn't have a kicker. And we barely, barely got beat. And um, they made a great play at the end. It's the only time Mississippi State's beat us when we were there. It's the only time. Coach Cheryl's bunch made a great play there on third and 18 at the end and got them, got them a first down, and they won the game. But then after those two losses, there's where the gut check was happening because I remember heads were down now, and it was that feeling like, and Russ Brown describes it so well, felt like, oh, here we go again. This is what I remember. This feeling in my gut is what I remember, four and seven, four and seven. And... I remember cutting practice down just a little bit, cut it down, cut it down each period. 
because I thought we left it out there for two weeks on the road. We left it out there on the field. And I, so I said, we're going to go to Little Rock, play LSU. Kept telling our staff, we got to have energy and we got to have some passion or this thing could get ugly. It can go the other way because LSU is so talented, as y'all know. But as usual, these guys had such backbone and such character. Boy, they flipped it and they got ready. And by Thursday, I felt real good. I was unsure Monday and Tuesday. But by Thursday, I said, hey, we are ready. We're going to go get this one. And it's a very tough game. But uh, won that one, and it just, man, it, it got everybody back uh, to where we were, you know, the feeling that we had in the first seven, eight, nine weeks. You touched on the the LSU game, and, I mean, it was an absolute thumping, which we all enjoy. Um, so ending the season or the regular season, you know, on the high note, um, how was it, you know, going into the offseason with your your players that were coming back, your seniors that weren't, um, the camaraderie that y'all had gained? I mean, how did that progress after your first season with Arkansas? It, it was the greatest time ever because I felt like the – the, that program wasn't lifeless anymore. I could feel our fans. I could feel recruiting the way it was way it was going. And we had the best recruiters on campus, and it's the players. Mm-hmm. They were the ambassadors for the Razorbacks, and they were awesome. The only thing that was tough was Brandon Burlesworth week when he passed. That was tough. And that was the day, to give you an idea what a great person he was, every Wednesday in the spring, he, take, he goes, he drives home to to Harrison to take his mother to church. And uh, he, we're handing out our championship rings on a Wednesday in the spring. And comes by and says, Coach, you mind? I always take my mom to church on Wednesday. Can I can I go ahead and do that and I'll get my ring later? I said, no problem, Brandon. And that, that was a tough week because we lost a great, great young man who was just absolutely perfect in every way, on and off the field. And everything was in order, life in order, everything, the way he competed. That was tough. That was a very tough, tough time. But getting back to the other part of it, his legacy still lives on today. And then the recruiting, I can feel it was taken off. And then you still had Clint Sterner coming back. You still had Anthony Lucas coming back. You still had a, a good nucleus of guys that were coming back. And so you felt good. When you have your quarterback coming back, just like KJ Jefferson, when you have a guy that's coming back that has laps around the track, you got a point guard, you got a real chance in the league. You got to have that guy. And so Clint Sterner was our guy and uh, was was just was awesome. And everything was going good. It was a great time. It was just a great feeling. And ending on that with the, the, that that season or with Clint Sterner, you know, how rewarding was that Tennessee game that following year? You know, they carried the goalpost down Dixon Street, you know. But sending Clint and Anthony, you know, guys who bought in right away, fought their tail off, and to get that win, and, and like you said, he carried that burden for a year. You know, what did that mean for your program and those guys to, to really give an inside perception of how much that win meant to you, the team, and the program as a whole? That was such a phenomenal atmosphere. Um, people don't realize, you know, we got beat 28-24-98. We win the next year 28-24. And so that was so rewarding. And to look in Clint Sterner's eyes after the 
give him a big hug and let him know, hey, you got this done, buddy. And uh, that one pass always comes to mind is great protection. Uh, Anthony Lucas on a post, perfect. I mean, it was on a it was on a rope. Uh, David Barrett intercepts a pass. I mean, all that is just it, it's just such a rewarding feeling because Phil Fulmer had a great football team. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I really think that helped us. We got beat in a bowl game the first year. Mm-hmm. The Capital One. So I really made a point like, hey, 99 going into, we got 2,000 Cotton Bowl. Listen, we're going to win us a bowl. We hadn't won a bowl game here. They said 15 years. 15 years we're winning this bowl game. Now we got to play Texas. And, of course, here we go now. Mm-hmm. As y'all know, the big yeah. old Texas, the big bullies of, of the Southwest Conference days, you know, it brings back – all these memories of Coach Broyles, and of course, Coach Broyles and Daryl Royal were honorary captains all week. And I was a nervous wreck during that week because of all the games. As a little boy, I, you know, it was it was Texas. They were the real deal. And excuse me, um, but I feel like that win of Tennessee really propelled us. That kind of gave us the confidence because we beat the defending national champions. And I think it took us the, the right attitude, work ethic into the bowl preparation. We, want, we wanted to have a good – Cotton Bowl people do such a great job with players, families. But I kept saying, look, I want to have a good time, but I, the good time is going to come in on that January 1st when you beat Texas. Yep. You know, we kept emphasizing, this is how we're going to spell fun is W-I-N, guys. It, I, I love that you're getting gifts. I love that we have all this great – uh, places that we're going, all the great food we're eating, but let's win the Cotton Bowl. And so that's where I give credit to that senior class that went down there, wrote the first win in a bowl game in 15 years versus Texas mm-hmm. was, uh, uh, it's, it's, it was awesome. And, you know, looking back at your, your career as a whole and, and all the people that, you know, I know we emphasized a lot on the 98 and Clint Stoner, but you look back at Clint Stoner, you know, Matt Jones, Darren McFadden, all the the legends that you coached, and all these years later we still talk about, you know, just look, reflect as we wrap things up, reflect on your time at Arkansas, and just, again, all these years later, being able to be in the Hall of Honor and still look back, and, and you got to be at the helm of some of the greatest teams and some of the greatest players to ever play and put on that Razorback uniform. You know, Danny, my brother, probably doesn't get enough credit. You know, when you recruit Arkansas as an Arkansas recruiter, you know, people expect you to, to you got to sign Arkansas kids. Well, what they don't realize is Matt Jones had a lot of opportunities to go anywhere he wanted to go. And these, these recruiters are the greatest salesmen in the world. Uh, Sean Andrews, Darren McFadden, and Matt Jones, who Matt Jones – Six foot six, two thirty seven, and runs four three seven. Yeah. And every time I'd go to the midfield, that head coach or defense coordinator said, "The film doesn't do Matt Jones justice. No. He's so fast. I've never seen a guy that can run like that." And then he started getting better at throwing the ball. He threw a lot of touchdown passes, <laughs> and he did a great job in two of the longest games in the world, seven overtimes. And I'm talking about. 
overtime like we know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Overtime's a little bit different now. I'm talking about real overtime. That was yeah. long games, you know, where Matt Jones was had ice water in his veins. And but you know, Darren McFadden and all these Peyton Hillises and all the great players, and also Jerry Wright. You mentioned Jerry Wright, Dan Doty. Mm-hmm. I think the one of the things that that kind of gets uh, kind of goes unnoticed is we recruited Arkansas so hard where we'd turn over rocks. Dan Doty wasn't a four-star or three-star, but Dan Doty ended up being a starting center that could bench press 400 pounds. Jerry Wright. Jerry Wright was a phenomenal, fundamental football player that's tough, and guess what? He loves the Hogs. And when you get a guy that's a fighter and has a heart like Jerry and Dan Doty and Bo Lacey, I can, I can name so many. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It t- these guys would motivate those Texas stars. They would say, oh, that's how Razorback practices. Oh, that's how, that's what a commitment means when you when you really commit and get in the weight room and get stronger, faster. You do anything for your teammate. And so it it's that type of attitude that just, it's contagious. And so I don't want to leave those guys out when the stars are, oh, you got to have them. You got to have Matt Jones that runs four three. You got to have Darren McFadden, Sean Andrews. You got to have them, but you also got to go get those guys that are underneath those rocks that are doesn't have that much publicity. But you know this, you know they're tough. You know they have character, and they will fight you to the end. And that's to me is what Arkansas is all about. And we'll end it on this, you know, comparing, you know, I look back at your era and look at this era, and you get, you know, Frank Broles and Hunter Yurchek, two guys that really just love the, being a part of the Arkansas Razorback program. You were an Arkansas guy. I know Coach Pittman was from Oklahoma, but pretty much on the border. I mean, he was an Arkansas guy. So many similarities, but just seeing how everything is at Arkansas, you know, and you're talking about it in the resurgence, you know, just that missing piece, you know, and Arkansas now is searching for that success. And if you could just give one, you know, piece of advice or something that you're hoping forward to, you know, in this program where we're at now, you know, what would you say to the team, you know, or the program to to really kind of say, hey, look, I was in your shoes. I know where this program was at when, when I come to Arkansas and we can get there now in 2023 and really turn things around. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I get to watch football now at home and I get to flip channels. I get to watch. I don't have to go to New York. I don't have to watch other games. I can zero in. So I zero in, of course, first and foremost on Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I love the way that Coach Pittman had his team ready to go Saturday night. To me, if you have that, Tenacity, that effort, that attitude, that Razorback fighting spirit that he had in Baton Rouge. If you had that the week before versus BYU, BYU would have been out the stadium. They'd been gone. Mm-hmm. They'd been knocked out by the by halftime. And to me, it, it's just a small thing, but it's a big thing. It's just little things. And I love the way KJ Jefferson handled. He he was a he was a soldier, a warrior. And I thought the offensive line played better. But the only thing I would say is this, guys. It's a little things. It could it, it, this whole season can change right now. When you go to Jerry's World, a former Razorback, you're going to get to play in one of the greatest stadiums in the world. Don't take that for granted. And you're representing Arkansas, and you're playing Texas A&M, and you can beat Texas A&M. I've seen Texas A&M play for two weeks now. You can beat them. 
but you can't help them. You, you, for the last two weeks, I've seen illegal procedures. You can't do it. You, you can't do it. We got another snap count. I don't care how loud it is. I don't care if their band's playing or whatever. While we got the snap count, we know the snap count. And we're not going to give give up lost yardage. You're not going to give up lost yardage plays. Everybody get on the same page on that deal. And just bring that same. I thought Coach Pittman had them ready Saturday night. I love how they were fighting, man. And and LSU thought they were just going to go up and down the field and dominate like they did against Mississippi State. Didn't happen. So that game could have been very easily won. But I go back to this. It's the little bitty things. Win the turnover margin. For let's let's take care of our penalties, and then you the plays. I don't know what it was, but you lost you had you lost three timeouts in the third quarter. You know, somebody was telling me on the radio today. I was doing a radio show and said, "Well, Coach Pittman should have let them score." But you know, I've I've been under Lou Holtz, Jimmy Johnson, Pat Jones. Jack Crow, Monty Kiffin as a defensive coordinator. Not one time that I ever hear those guys say, "Let's let them score." You know, it's just you just you don't you don't teach that, you don't practice that. And I guess with the new analytics, I guess you know you don't have any timeouts. I guess you could, but you don't think about that. I think again, I think it'd be easier to go back to what we said: keep your same effort. Let's eliminate these penalties. Let's know we got the advantage. We know the snap count. Let's stay on sides. And let's take care of our timeouts. And when if you do that, to me, that's a W. That's a win. You're going to beat LSU. At LSU, mm-hmm. you played almost well enough to beat them. But to me, what was it? It was just a little thing. So my only word to them would be, hey, let's take care of the little things. Because you got the heart. You got the effort. And, you know, that's what Razorback people want to see. They want to see that. And I think they show that big time. And now, you know, again, it, you got to win. And you got a great chance to win this Saturday. Great chance. Well, Coach Nutt, again, it's been an honor to have you on and be a part of the show. Thank you again for coming on and sharing your time and reliving those those moments with resurgence. And of course, you know, talking about this program now. And again, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good one, sir. Well, that was Coach Nutt. Good to have him on. What an episode that was. I mean, what a time, you know, you're talking about, you know, what we're living through now and and we see what's there. Like when, you know, you watch Resurgence and you see this thing build up. And I remember the 98 game, you know, I I was Mm -hmm. watching it on TV and you've seen the excitement that this program was. And it's like you relive the nut days, you relive, you know, the Bobby Petrino era because it got you success in we talked about that nine-win season under Pittman and as that occurs, but it's like it brought back some of those memories, and we know that this team could get back there. And I'm telling you right now, if, if we're that excited about something that happened 25 years ago, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago, if this happens underneath the Sam Pittman era, which we know it can, and they go on a run and start turning things around, I'm telling you that this fan base is going to be just as fanatic as it was back when Houston Nutt was was coaching in Arkansas. And we remember, you know, the Bobby Petrino years. We know it can get back there. It's just we're sitting there just waiting for that that spark mm-hmm. to happen and that fire to take off. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, like we talked on and Coach Nutt just reiterated wholeheartedly is the little things. Yep. The little things that we've been talking about that just once they get those buttoned up, it's a completely different ballgame. 
Well, hopefully, again, we're, we're you know we're talking about you know a win on a Sunday when we re- resume on Saturday. But, yeah, on Saturday, yes, I was talking about our show on uh, on Sunday. <laughs> no, you're good. But for Adam Hall, Porter Hayes, again, another special episode of the Hog Talk podcast, and we will catch you on Sunday to recap the the game against Texas A&M. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.